Hello, friends, and welcome to But I Digest, a bi-weekly food podcast that celebrates the food in our lives, its history, its heroes, and all of its glorious hoopla. Each episode, we feature a specific food or ingredient. We rinse out its chewy history, simmering it until it is pronounceable, and filling a bowl with its choicest factoids and anecdotes and usually some sliced avocado. And our topic this week is quinoa. Quinoa. Why? Because it's fun to say. Also because Hans is in Ecuador. I am one half of your host. I am Steve McDonough. Hans is in Ecuador this week. He's getting some uh he's getting some he's getting some dental work done. You don't need to know everything. Mind your own business. And he uh he's so he's recording on his own. He's doing a shorter podcast. It's a shorter episode without me interrupting. So that's why it'll be just a little less time. So Let's head over to Ecuador, shall we? Let's all put on our cha-cha heels and head over to... Damn it. Your cha-cha heels. That is a really good Stump the Straight guy right there. Do you guys know which one I'm talking about? Cha-cha heels, a John Waters film. What is that from? Should we do Stump the Straight guy without haunts? Oh, what a disappointment. It's a good one. I might need to save it. Anyway... Let's hear about Hans and quinoa and Ecuador, you know, whatever whatever it is that we're going to be doing here today. So I'm here in Ecuador, specifically the city of Cuenca, Ecuador, some 8,500 feet above sea level, high up in the Andes Mountains. I'm recording this episode Hans solo style as my co-host and podcast partner in crime, Steve McDonough, is roughly 3,000 miles north of here, likely surrounded by snow. Let me go ahead and apologize in advance for any background noises that might pop up during this recording, like rain showers, random buses and motorcycles zipping by outside the window, or even the sound of a stray parade meandering down the streets. Ecuadorians love a good parade, especially ones with farm animals and or fireworks thrown into the mix. I've been coming to Ecuador once or twice a year since about 2017, and while I originally came here for some dental work, there are so many things that keep me coming back to this amazing country. There's the weather. It never goes below 40 degrees and rarely jumps above 85. Perfect temperature for me. The people, incredibly kind, warm, and always welcoming. The vegetation. Now, being a bit of a plant nerd, I am always spotting some giant, wild version of the tiny house plants that we find back home in the big box stores. Plants like ficus, bromeliads, begonias, ferns, orchids. The diversity of plants here is truly overwhelming. And then last, but certainly not least, the food. The food here in Ecuador is it's so dense, so flavorful. It's really everything you love about Latin American cuisine, but instead of just bashing you over the head with heat and chilies, there's, there's such an interplay of great food. So trying to decide what I'm going to talk about for this episode has really been somewhat of a challenge. There are so many varieties of fruits and vegetables, potatoes, grains, herbs. Really, trying to narrow it down to just one food has been my toughest challenge so far. Do I talk about the large, dark purple Andean blackberries? They are absolutely delicious, juicy as can be, but at the end of the day, they're really just giant blackberries. Or I thought I could talk about guava, the ice cream bean. This thing is a giant three-foot bean pod filled with this cotton candy-like fluff that tastes a bit like vanilla ice cream mixed with tart rhubarb. It's delicious, but it's kind of a one-trick pony. Interesting to be sure, but not a whole lot to talk about there. Or I thought we could talk about the regional delicacy here called Kui, 
or as we gringos call it, guinea pig, that's slowly roasted rotisserie style over a smoky wood fire. Well, to be honest, I thought about that as the topic of today's show, but then I thought the last thing I need is the guilt of learning that you, dear listener, ran out to your local pet shop with devious intent, and depending on where you live, cooking fluffy rodents might even violate your local laws. In truth, I've tried Kui, and it's really not that amazing. Certainly not worth a lifetime of guinea pig guilt. Every time I visit this country, I find something new, something unusual, something unexpected, always something delicious. But there's one ingredient that continually pops up throughout my Ecuadorian adventures, and that is quinoa. And I thought, you know what? I eat quinoa constantly. It is really one of my favorite foods. I am in the heart of quinoa country, so let's just go with that. Quinoa has really become a household name in the U.S. and around the world in the past decade or so. When I first became aware of it and I started using it in the nutrition classes that I teach, there were really only a handful of shops that carried it, and most of those shops were specifically health food stores. If I asked for quinoa by name and then tried to describe it, more than once I was told, um... I'm not sure, but we have this stuff, this uh, quinoa. And in all fairness, it is kind of spelled like quinoa, Q-U-I-N-O-A. And it does, uh, it, it's not exactly what you expect when you see that word quinoa. Uh, in Germany, they refer to quinoa as Andean rice, which to be fair, is a pretty good name for this rice alternative, as it does come from the Andes mountains, and it can be used pretty much anywhere that rice could be used but it is so much better for so many reasons. So what exactly is quinoa? Now, you know me, I love to talk about the kind of nerdy side of the foods we discuss. Uh, so let's jump into that. Quinoa is a plant that originated here in the Andes Mountains or the Andean Mountains, and it grows quite successfully throughout most of South America. Now, both the leaves and the seeds of the plant are edible, and the fresh leaves are very similar to spinach, both in taste and in nutrition. But it's the seeds of the plant that really we're talking about, and they're the thing that are most celebrated. Now, they dry well, they transport easily, and they are ridiculously nutritious. The plant's Latin name, for you fellow botanical nerds out there, is called Chinopodium quinoa, and it really is a striking plant. It has broad leaves, and the seed heads can be just about any color red, purple, orange, green, black, or yellow. And the stalks of the plant, which are kind of a deep magenta color, can reach up to nine feet tall. Now, if you've ever seen the garden plants called Love Lies Bleeding, quinoa has a very similar shape and texture, and they are in fact cousins. Scientists believe that the quinoa plant first originated around Lake Titicaca in Peru. And I mention that for two reasons. One, it's incredibly interesting, and two, I know that saying Lake Titicaca will make Steve giggle like a third grader even though he's 3,000 miles away. Uh, hi, everybody. It's Steve. I'm just going to interrupt Hans' monologue here and say, yeah, Lake Titicaca is funny. Everyone giggled when you said Lake Titicaca. Everyone. All right, back to your monologue. There's archaeological evidence that humans have been cultivating quinoa in South America as early as 5000 BCE. 
And we know it was an important crop for early South Americans, as ceremonial offerings of quinoa have been found in burial tombs in Chile, Peru, Bolivia, and of course, Ecuador. Corn was also an important part of these cultures, but quinoa can thrive in much colder climates, so it fares better in the higher mountainous elevations that you find here in the Andes. Quinoa can also thrive in poor, dry soils where other crops simply fail. In the 15th century, when the Spanish first arrived in South America, quinoa was already well cultivated and widely distributed throughout the Inca territories. It was a sacred crop to the Incas, who called it Chizia Mama, I assume I'm pronouncing that right, uh, or the mother of all grains. Hi, uh, sorry, it's Steve again. I just have to say that if we are going to laugh, in fact, at Lake Titicaca, we cannot ignore the fact that you just talked about Chizayomama. Chizayomama, Hans. Chizayomama. All right, back to this long monologue. Is he still talking? Legend states that the Incan emperor would ceremoniously plant the first quinoa seeds every year using a golden spade that was crafted specifically for that purpose. Sadly, in his fervor to destroy all Incan culture, the Spanish explorer-slash-conqueror Francisco Pizarro had the quinoa fields all destroyed. As the Spanish took control of all of South America, they eventually replaced the fields of quinoa with the grains and cereals that they were more partial to back home, like wheats, oats, and barley. In fact, the cultivation of quinoa and other native grains was outlawed during the Spanish occupation, and for nearly 400 years, quinoa was all but lost to the world and was really only grown in small quantities by indigenous people high in the Andes. Today, quinoa is back, and it's celebrated worldwide as a true superfood. And I'm using air quotes there, superfood. <laughs> when I do classes at wellness centers, I often describe quinoa as really the perfect human shell. And I tell folks, hey, if you had a pet human, and being a parent of three children, I kind of think I have three pet humans, and you had to pick only one food to put in the bowl for those pet humans, like you do for your cat or your dog, that food could and should be quinoa. In fact, you could eat quinoa for the rest of your life and, and survive quite well. You might get a little bored with it, but nutritionally speaking, it checks nearly every box. Hi, sorry, stop, stop again. Sorry, it's Steve. Hans, I believe you're saying that if you had a pet person, you would put out one bowl of quinoa, and that is what we would have for the rest of our life. And I, I, you, first of all, thank God I am not your pet. I am, I, this concerns me a lot. Everybody knows that if I were somebody's pet, there would be two bowls. There would be a bowl of beer and a bowl of fried mozzarella sticks. A bowl of quinoa every day. Mozzarella sticks. If I had to, I'd go without the tomato sauce, but really, I still need the bowl. All right, whatever, go on. It's high in protein, and that protein is a complete protein, meaning that it contains all nine of the essential amino acids that our bodies cannot make on their own. And as a guy without a stomach, it's also worth mentioning that unlike meat, it's an extremely easy to digest protein, uh, but I digest. <laughs> and uh, it's also high in fiber, it's gluten-free, it's a low glycemic food, and it is incredibly versatile. And maybe last but not least, it's uh, delicious. Now, if it sounds like I have a bit of a food crush on quinoa, it's because I do. Just last night here in Cuenca, I had this amazing meal of sauteed squash with mushrooms and caramelized onions 
locally grown broccoli, avocados straight from the tree, and it was all served on this bed of perfectly fluffy quinoa. So simple, yet so delicious. It can be used in soups, in baked goods, in cereals. They even have a quinoa-studded chocolate bar down here, and it is damn near perfection. Now, if you've tried quinoa before and thought that it tasted a little off, like a little soapy or a little chemically, that's probably because it can taste a little soapy if you don't rinse the seeds first. The plant creates this natural protective chemical. It's, it's a bitter chemical called saponin, and that helps protect the seeds from hungry birds, hungry insects, even hungry humans. And when you look for quinoa in the shops, you'll see that many brands now say pre-rinsed. And that's great. That helps remove that saponin. But just to be on the safe side, I think it's always a good idea to rinse the quinoa anyway. Rinse it one more time before you cook it. Once it's rinsed, it really is as easy as cooking rice. You take one part of quinoa to two parts liquid, and that liquid can be water or stock or any combination of the two. You bring the liquid to a boil, you add your rinsed quinoa, you reduce the heat, you cover it, you simmer it until all the liquid has either been absorbed or evaporated. And you can even make it in your rice cooker. If you've got a fancy rice cooker and you don't feel like babysitting your quinoa, use your rice cooker. It comes out beautifully, nice, fluffy, full of texture, full of flavor. I tend to keep some cooked quinoa on hand in my refrigerator. And then I try to utilize it in whatever I can, in a, in a zillion preparations. I use it hot, I use it cold, and I'm always trying to find ways to sneak more plant-based nutrition, plant-based protein into my diet, and honestly into the diet of my family. The secret is out. Uh, it's, it's also, quinoa is also great mixed with other grains like amaranth, sorghum, millet, barley, brown rice, uh, anything you can think of grain-wise, it really is, um, it's, you know, it's kind of like the larger cousin to amaranth and the smaller cousin to sorghum. But when you mix them together, the grains, as you're eating, it just gives you a great different mouthfeel. So it doesn't feel like you're just chewing the same thing over and over again. I absolutely love it. And when you have it pre-prepared in the refrigerator, when you're craving something, you can just reach in the fridge, grab it, and throw it to uh, even into a scrambled egg. It's just a great thing to add texture, flavor, and, and nutrition. So I've run my mouth Hans solo style for long enough. Let's talk about a recipe. The only thing that's hotter than the oven is watching you cook. Since I'm down here in Ecuador on this solo adventure without my normal kitchen paraphernalia, rather than trying to create some new recipe, I decided I would just share this delightful recipe that I found in Food & Wine magazine. It's a simple three mushroom and quinoa salad that is excellent served warm, cold, or even at room temperature. And I love these kinds of dishes. They're kind of make once, eat twice meals. And they work great either as a center of the plate meal or as a side dish or even as the base for another dish like a piece of seared fish or whatever you have on hand, a pork chop. You can have a, this kind of mushroom quinoa like a pilaf or salad underneath the, the protein. Uh, but honestly, you don't necessarily need extra protein because the quinoa is such a, such a great source for that. Now, I'll have the recipe up on our website, and I encourage you to give it a try. Let me know how it turned out for you. But as with any recipe, make it your own. Have some fun with it, experiment, 
create something new, and then uh, give us some feedback. What, what do you like it with? How do you enjoy quinoa? So that about wraps it up for me, signing off from beautiful Cuenca, Ecuador. Assuming they let me back into the United States, we should have another normal episode of But I Digest for you in just a couple of weeks. Until then, Gesundheit friends, be well. Take care. Okay, well, I will pick up the quinoa ball. How do I enjoy quinoa? Well, um, that makes me immediately research quinoa cocktails. And of course, I found one because, you know, of horchata, which is that rice, milk, sweetened, uh, cold cinnamon, yummy drink. Um, and there's a quinoa form of horchata. But, uh, you know, generally with the recipes that I do here, I want to make them a little more simpler. And that's too many steps for me to feature on the podcast. So I wanted to look at what liquor comes from Ecuador. Let's just focus on Ecuador. And there are two that the region is really known for. Uh, The first is rum, but even more popular is aguardiente. Uh, Aguardiente literally means fire water or fiery water, basically. Um, Aguardiente is a generic term for a very high-proof alcohol that can be distilled from a number of sources. So types of aguardiente, uh, they vary depending on where they come from. Some areas use fruits to make it. Some use grains. Some use sugarcane. Uh, and that's what I mean by it's kind of this generic term. Uh, aguardiente is generally not used as a cocktail ingredient, though it's usually just, you know, shot or drunk neat. So it's kind of like cachaça, if it sounds a little like cachaça to you, and it's kind of close to it, but cachaça can have added sugar, and aguardiente does not have higher sugar, It uh, added sugar. It's plain the way it is made. It's often unflavored, and it has a much higher proof. I mean, this stuff will mess you up. And um, it's treated differently in different countries. So, for example, Colombia makes their aguardiente with anise seeds, so taste of anise. Chile, which makes great wine, they're known for wine, they will use the grape residue to make aguardiente, so it's uh, not unlike grappa. And in Ecuador, it's made from cane sugar and usually left unflavored. So, you know, I just said there's two spirits or two liquors that they would make in Ecuador, the second being rum, which is also made from cane sugar. It's super popular in Ecuador. It's a huge seller. There's a couple different brands that are actually available here in the States. Uh, If you do a quick Google search, you can see some of the larger liquor stores that carry a brand near you. You'll probably find it. Uh, Zumir is one of the best known. It's uh, Z-H-U-M-I-R. But here's the thing. It's basically a moonshine. So although there are lots of trusted commercial brands, this is a type of alcohol that you can make in prison. So... Whenever you have that kind of moonshine, it can be abused. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about the abuse and and the horrible things that have happened from this. Um, when you process alcohol, it is it naturally produces methanol. Now, commercial alcohol manufacturers remove the methanol before they bottle it. The problems come when the alcohol is distilled at home or on the black market, and they haven't built a system for removing the methanol and high levels of methanol in these homemade moonshines can cause comas, irreversible blindness, and death. So just to mention a couple of recent occurrences, in 2019, there were 19 people in Costa Rica who died over just a short period, two months. Uh, Health officials traced it back to an aguardiente, and they seized 30,000 bottles. Uh, In 2020, in Mexico, uh, 100 people 
died from methanol-laced aguardiente. Now, of course, this has roots because it's 2020 in COVID because COVID led to a beer shortage because brewers like Heineken and Modelo, they had to suspend production. And when some places were banning alcohol sales in order to keep crowds from gathering, people were looking, of course, to the black market. And I was reading this one newspaper article about this guy. He brought home three unmarked bottles he'd gotten from a buddy. It was, uh, you know, alcohol, uh, bottles that alcohol had already been in and they had been rinsed out and not sealed. It's just the aguardiente was in there. Um, and he was dead within hours from the methanol poisoning. So that's my little story of moonshine aguardiente. And as long as you are not making it in your own bathtub, and I am sorry, I am not. That's not what this is leading up to. I'm not leading up to a bathtub aguardiente recipe here. Um, you can go out and buy it and enjoy it. Do shots of it with your friends. Get get messed up. But hey. Anyway, you can also enjoy it in today's cocktail. It can be found in a canalazo. Uh, as I said, it's not served in a lot of cocktails, but the canalazo is one that it is. Canalazo is kind of like a hot toddy with a South American twist. Uh, it's a warm, spiced cinnamon drink. It's mostly associated with Ecuador, but it's also a favorite in Colombia and Peru, northern Argentina. And as I mentioned, Ecuador makes aguardiente from sugarcane. So swapping out rum for this cocktail is completely fine done with great frequency. And that's what I would do today. And I suggest you do too. Just get a, a white rum for this. Canalazo is served a lot at Christmas. It has kind of a sweet and sour tang and it's warm. It's good for the chilled soul. Basically, it's water and brown sugar, lime, which is going to give it that that kind of uh, citrusy, sour punch, uh, cloves and cinnamon, orange juice, or tangerine juice, or even better if you can get it, passion fruit pulp. So that's the kind of deep citrusy flavor that you want. Even um, with orange juice, it's going to be lighter and thinner flavored than, say, the tangerine, tangerine juice, which has kind of more character to it. But use what you can. You can put in some fun fruit in its place, as I was saying. You're going to heat this up kind of like you're making a um, an eggnog or something, and you're going to add your alcohol afterwards because you don't want to eat that, heat the alcohol because you're going to lose the alcohol in it. So that is my cocktail for today, the Kenalazzo. The only thing that's hotter than the oven is watching you. So as always, if you would like to get your grubby fingers on these recipes, get your cha-cha heels over to our website, butidigest.com. And man, that is such a missed opportunity. I'm going to play, I'm going to play uh, Stump the Strike Guy just by myself, me and you guys, okay? Um, cha-cha heels. Dawn Davenport is not happy. Why is Dawn Davenport not happy? She didn't get cha-cha heels for Christmas in this John Waters movie, Female Trouble. And Dawn Davenport is played by... Come on, you know the answer. Shout it out in your car. Hans is going to say he has no idea. And Hans, I am not giving you any more clues because John Waters' movie is clues enough. John Waters' movie and Cha-Cha Heels, you should know who this is. All right, moving back. If you want to email us, I don't know, what do you want to talk about? Email us. Do that at ButIDigestPodcast at gmail.com. Check us out on Facebook and Twitter at ButIDigestPod. Come to our Facebook page, play 
Stump the Straight Guy with us. Check out the stupid stuff I'm posting on there. Instagram is But I Digest Podcast. Also on our website, you will find a link to Hans's line of spices, as well as a link to download my cocktail book, The New Old Bar. As always, special thanks to our web designer, Hewitt Rabel, to our editor, Natalie DeChico, special music by Corey Goodrich, and our theme music is by Brian Reyes. And this is the part where I always say to Hans, are you done here? And he answers me. But in this case, you're going to have to answer me because I'm here all alone to end this. So, my friends, my podcast pals, are we done here? Oh, thank you so much. That warms my heart, just like a Kenalazo. Cheers. Cheers.